You're listening to Risk Takers podcast series coming to you from Chesley Brown headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. Helping businesses explore better ways to anticipate and navigate their risk before it becomes a crisis. We've been doing this since 1990. I'm your host, Brent Brown, Chairman and CEO of Chesley Brown, and joining me this week are three uh, experts in the field of security management. Um, Starting from the left to the right, we have Josh Nolan, who's Vice President of our West uh, Western Region, Max Briggs, Vice President of our Central Region, and Brian Taylor, Vice President of our Eastern Region. Brian's from Pittsburgh, Max is in Atlanta, and Josh is in Kansas City. So we're um, we're going to have a little conversation today about what we're all seeing in the industry that we serve. That is uh, security and the trends we're seeing, what's going on, uh, what the pandemic is doing to the industry, to uh, any of those issues that, that revolve, uh, include us or clients or um, challenges that we have. So... Um, let me kick it off with um, Max. Did you ever think that in all the years that you've been in the business that you would have a Chesley Brown officer standing shoulder to shoulder with National Guard troops protecting our properties? You know, that's a great way to start the conversation because uh, I, I'm not sure if any of us expected that or a lot of other things that's come with uh, not only the pandemic, but just the other challenges that have surfaced in 2020. Uh, you referenced shoulder to shoulder with National Guard. Uh, you know, we, we saw that and, and had to step back for a minute because not only would security professionals probably not have anticipate, anticipated that, that doesn't happen every day with law enforcement, uh, even on, you know, whether it's local or state or, uh, you don't always have even FBI agents standing next to National Guard, uh, or other military personnel. So, right. you know, it provided a great, uh, well, the challenges were there and the circumstances that brought us to that point, uh, were regrettable and, and, and sometimes, uh, I think everyone could agree unnecessary in some aspects. It, it also took us to a place to reevaluate not only our capabilities, our depth of strength, and then our ability to coordinate uh, with those type of entities came out. Uh, and in our case, it worked very well, uh, but I think that's because we had some other things in place. Right. But it's also prevented, you know, presented some other challenges because it's, it's uh, presenting to our employees uh, some of the, the situations they can find themselves in uh, that they may or may not have understood when they took the job. So that's something we can probably talk about uh, as well at some point. But, yes, it, it has definitely been uh, eye-opening, uh, but in many ways strengthening experience. Absolutely. I, I think you all recall um – when all that was going on, I, I felt like I needed to speak to our 
uh, men and women in the field and, and give them uh, some support from, from corporate. And I didn't really know exactly how to phrase it. And, and basically it came out as um, just empathetic, you know, just remembering that uh, the men and women standing in the line with those National Guard troops um, empathize with the other side. Um, not the not the bad ones, the the ones causing destruction and damage, but the the good ones that were that had a uh, had a legitimate issue, and that we had to to make sure that we understood that it was a tough situation, um, both both physically and mentally, for the our men and women who are the backbone of this company. Uh, Josh, uh, weigh in on this. Definitely. Uh... I was very proud of the way our officers here in Kansas City, uh, the way they handled seeing maybe even people they knew in a crowd, uh, and, and how they uh, how they handled themselves and how they responded. Throughout Kansas City, we did see a lot of a lot of protests, and from our directors, supervisors down to our, the officers in general, it, it was a lot more stress and was a lot more um, worry. Overall, right. So, uh, yeah, and I, and we weren't immune from this in in any of our uh, locations throughout the country. I, I think um, every single location that we have, from from Texas to to Pittsburgh to uh, Kentucky to Nashville, uh, obviously Atlanta and, and south of of that into Florida, they, everybody were having the challenges and. Um, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Taylor, our, our VP out of Pittsburgh, but you also cover um, Florida for us. Uh, tell us the uniqueness of, of the difference between handling things in Pittsburgh and then what was going on in, in uh, Tampa and Orlando. Well, I mean, I think some good points were brought up, uh, you know, by Max, just in starting with the, with the pandemic. I don't think our security officers ever thought that they would find themselves on the front line of, of something like that. And then, of course, you know, well, there's obviously some risk to going to work every day, much more so than what they normally face. I mean, we, we, we serve a lot of different industries, so we could say that there's, you know, some, some of our uh, sites have more risk on a normal basis, but I, I don't think uh, many of our officers anticipated uh, being on the front lines of a pandemic or being at risk going to a, a Class A office building. And then that kind of morphed into, uh, you know, with all of the, the protests and the the civil unrest that occurred in, in all the areas. I mean, you know, a couple of things that both in, in the Florida market and in our, our market here in Pennsylvania is you know, challenges that we didn't anticipate that we had to work around, things like um, transportation, being able to get officers to and from sites uh, because roads were blocked. Public transportation was shut down or limited, uh, first by the, the pandemic and then ultimately by some of the civil unrest that occurred. And then, you know, you mentioned um, our officers being uh, pathetic to some of the people, uh, you know, that were protesting and continue to protest, and, and that's part of it. But, you know, one of the other things that, that we experienced in both locations uh, was we had officers that, you know, were afraid to be in uniform right. uh, coming to work, to and from work, because, you know, law enforcement now is a target. Oftentimes, 
a sharply dressed security officer. You can't distinguish them between uh, law enforcement. So they become a target. So we actually have had to work with some employees to offer places for them to change because they no longer want to come to work in uniform. And that's just something I don't think any anybody anticipated or saw uh, coming down. You know, uh, the first few nights of a lot of the uh, the civil unrest that occurred um, all over the country was pretty challenging for us, too. I mean, fielding calls. I know Max, Josh, I'm sure you guys experienced the same. But basically every one of our sites and, and, and all the markets that I'm responsible for were affected in some way, shape, or form. So uh, there's a lot of challenges there with, again, making sure we were we were staffed, uh, our, our officers on site felt safe. We were communicating with our clients and preparing them for what was going on and what could possibly continue to happen. So it has definitely been a challenging time. But I think the biggest thing is just uh, with the security industry and the way it's been here in 2020s, I think there's a lot of people that are in the industry that did not anticipate um, really being on the front lines of, of a lot of this activity. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, you bring up some great points. And, you know, when we when we talk about the challenges of um, security, uh, I think people expect us to talk about the actual uh, process and protection of security. And the truth is that that uh, our our leaders out there in the field, and and obviously the the leadership at, at the VP level, deals with a whole lot of stuff that that um, affects security, affects getting people uh, into the program but really has nothing to do with the actual process of security, such as transportation. Um, I, I know uh, it has been a challenge with uh, the the current state of affairs with uh, law enforcement, and, and our officers do look like law enforcement officers in many places. And um, in the past, that was a, a something that we stood proud of, and I still am. Um, nonetheless, it is a a uh, risk to their safety, and yeah, uh, we're incredibly proud of all our men and women that have not wavered in this. See, Max, you were at the epicenter of this in Atlanta, uh, at um, several of our projects were really the epicenter of, of the the things going on. But um, uh, I know at several occasions you were actually on the front lines with with uh, our folks. How, what was that like? You know, to your point, a moment ago, it reminded me of a, a conversation I had with our CEO, uh, Tim Metter, recently when we talked about, and I think this is true, and I think it's worth pointing out, it's true for every industry, whether they realize it or not, in every company, if they have more than one employee, uh, truthfully, we're, we're not so much in the security business anymore than, than we are, we're in the people business. Right. And so ma- managing the needs of our people and, of course, the people of our clients, their guests, tenants, customers, and so forth, is at the forefront. And and I think that uh, piggybacks off what Brian said in that there were some real personal challenges that have come up through both the pandemic and then being on the front line, shoulder to shoulder with the National Guard at the epicenter of what was going on in Atlanta, uh, that we had to make sure we attended to, whether it's transportation or even things reaching back into the pandemic of, of the schools being out and childcare becoming an issue for employees. So 
all those people management, personal uh, factors that were in play that while they may have been there before, it it was just amplified. And so right. uh, that was something that just, you know, quickly rose to the top of priorities uh, because you still you still had to have people in place. And uh, I think what we saw uh, that helped us with that was even our public safety partners, as they had to lean on each other uh, through memorandums of understanding and partnerships of things that were in place or they found out quickly that weren't in place <laughs> that needed to be put in place in order to get lateral support across communities and, and areas. They also uh, quickly found, I think, from what we saw, the value of that partnership with the uh, private uh, security partners such as Chesley Brown uh, because they simply could not could not manage all that was there either. Uh, so that's one thing that that uh, was starkly evident to me at, in, in those nights uh, that we were we were on the front lines that it was a huge partnership, right? And so many agencies working together, crossing over into the the private sector. You know, we've talked about it before, but you know, we know there are roughly 1.2 million security professionals in the United States, while there's only 600,000 uh, law enforcement officers. So we more than double them. Uh, and then, as I tell many of our applicants and our employees, uh, when things go bad, we're already there. We're on the scene. The police are still on the way. Uh, that support's still on the way. So trying to instill in our employees their importance and the role they play, uh, that's what we tried to focus on have always tried to focus on, but it became very apparent to them uh, just how important and critical their roles were as, as that unfolded, uh, especially in the protest. Right. I mean, when when all this started, uh, there was no question about uh, whether or not we were going to be classified as essential. And I think you bring up a great point that uh, while law enforcement is, um, is overtasked, um, and uh, and all the other first responders, but we're we're the ones already on the front line before they even get there. And uh, I think that was uh, something that became even more apparent. We've always known it, uh, but it became more apparent. And the challenges of making sure that we maintain those lines and and uh, accommodate the folks. So, uh, yeah, Josh, I'm sure um, you've had the same challenges in in your region, but. Um, let's talk about how we have uh, had to handle um, the 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 officers that are dealing with child care. You know, the um, you, when you got small children at home and and that's where they're going to be schooled for the next several months. Um, I, I know when we first got into the the business thirty years ago. Uh, with most of our leadership being former law enforcement military, you basically just told them, uh, "You show up, or you you're out." And we don't do that anymore. Hey, talk talk to us about that. Absolutely. Well, I think it's it's extremely important to keep 
keep all of our folks motivated and let them know how appreciated that they are with not only are we having to deal with the protests, but but with the protests while there's a global pandemic going on, you know, that certainly does elevate the, the concern and the amount of stress that, that everyone experiences. You know, having having children myself and the not knowing what's the next step, what's gonna happen tomorrow, right. you know, everything's so day to day. It that it is vital that we make sure that all of our people know that we're going to work with them and you know, changing schedules, working with, with folks that, hey, can you help out, you know, help out on the day shift or normally an, an evening off, so let's, let's rotate around here so that everybody can still, can still take care of their, their family obligations and other things. And it's actually been great to see how many people have been willing to do that and step in further their fellow coworkers and try to help them get through the next day, get to the next step. Right. And in our, even in our corporate office, um, you know, we don't typically have children running around our corporate office, but we, we did. Um, and in fact, our, our, uh, our tech, our, our uh, training and education center here at the corporate office um, was actually doing um, school for some of the kids that were uh, forced to come to work with their, their parents. And, you know, it wasn't anything that, that anybody um, could get upset over. We just needed to, to pull together and make sure that, that uh, the needs were met. And, and having a, a business that all of our people are uh, essential employees um, means that we don't turn the lights off. You know, we, we keep going. And, and uh, so whatever we could do to, to help our our officers, families, and, you know, we need to do that. Uh, Brian, tell me that the challenges that you have in, in Pittsburgh specifically with uh, our officers being unionized. I think a lot of a lot of our clients around the country would be surprised to hear that we actually have a unionized uh, workforce in, in a part of the country. Yeah, so, I mean, we've had that now here in Pittsburgh for several years working with the union. You know, they said, hey, you got some good procedures in place. We're not looking to change who you are. We're obviously just trying to, to raise wages and benefits for the officers and make sure that they're taken care of. So uh, the nice thing with us is that we kind of align with, with that mentality already. That's something that, that, that we were already doing. Yeah, I think um, we actually had Here in Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but I, I believe we actually had some uh, union officials comment to us after we were unionized that they, they actually targeted our company because they wanted everybody else to come up to our standards. Uh, so that's, that's correct. Uh, that's correct. I mean, there's a couple things at play there. Uh, they definitely, they definitely obviously had did their due diligence, had all of our information. That's something that was required. All security companies were required to turn over policy procedures, uh, wages, insurance information. So of course we were, we did that, uh, like all of our competitors here in the Pittsburgh area, and, and very quickly they noticed that again we had not only typically higher wages, better benefits, happier employees, but we also had some pretty good policies and procedures in place. So right. it was kind of well, we need to bring everybody up to that standard, um, and we did have some conversations with the union leadership where you know and we kind of asked, you know, we we feel like we do a good job taking care of our employees. It's very personal to us. I know when some of the uh, initial talks were, were taking place, 
I mean, you yourself, Mr. Brown, came to Pittsburgh to sit down with each of our individual security officers in the market. And I, I can't think of any other, you know, security company, large security company, that would send the CEO to individually speak and spend time, I mean, legitimate quality time right. um, with each officer. So, uh, you know, that was something that was personal to us. But quickly we found out, well, we're not really targeting you because we think you're bad. <laughs> we're targeting you because we think you're good and we need to bring everybody else up to those standards. Also, uh, you know, it's a good thing, but it was, you know, it's the yin and the yang. We also had some of the most prominent properties in the Pittsburgh area, too. So, you know, during the unionization, they definitely want to target those properties because if those properties don't become uh, union sites, some of the smaller, less prominent properties probably would follow suit. So, you know, we became a target for, for that reason as well. But, you know, we've got a good working relationship here in Pittsburgh with the union now. Um, you know, we have a stable workforce, which, you know, we feel is different than other parts of the country. We, mm-hmm. we feel as though a lot of that is obviously you know, the work that we do. Um, but then the unionization is kind of leveled off the playing field too, where, you know, employees are choosing Chesley Brown, um, because, you know, they see us as a better company and then the wages are all kind of aligned. So, uh, you know, that's, that's nice, you know, because now it's, it's not, well, I can go across the street, you know, for, for 25 or 50 cents more an hour. It's, you know, hey, it's the same wage over there. I'd rather work at the at the more high profile site and with a better company with opportunities Absolutely. like Chelsea Brown. So, so that's it's it's been beneficial for us in, in, in that way. Yeah, I, th- I think I would uh, jump on that as well and and say I was a hundred percent anti union going into this, and we we fought it the best we could, and then we made the uh, the right business decision to sit down and have discussions, and it actually has not been a bad thing. And, and I think that um, what we experience is uh, just the leveling of the wage does make a, a, a big difference because then it is about the company. I, you've often heard me say that, unfortunately, our, our competitors are not hindered by the boundaries of integrity. Therefore, they fudge their wages a lot. They don't, they don't give the honest uh, wage rates um, Whenever they're doing bids, and and this kind of levels that field. Max, take us into the 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 whole issue uh, with what we're seeing in wage rates uh, around the certainly in your region, but the company wide. Uh, that's always been a challenge, and and more so nowadays. Talk us talk to us about that. Well, it is continuing to be a challenge, and it's it's a topic that's coming up every day. But, but I'll also throw in just real quick here that it's something that I uh, have seen that that's related uh, and maybe move out of our, our conversation on the pandemic and other things that affect us. But it, it uh, I think it's worth mentioning that you know we we have some great partners as clients, uh, and, and they too were experiencing a lot of the things in the pandemic. Uh, particularly that forced them into areas uh, that they'd never been to before. Uh, so their empathy for our officers was compounded, I think, uh, as based on with their own employees, some of those same struggles like child care and transportation and other things. But uh, they also found that uh, we serve some uh, and brought value to some situations that were 
I'd never heard of before. Uh, I think you and I talked about the fact that when companies mandate employees work from home, that included many property managers, uh, and they had never experienced that before. Right. And so uh, they were put into a situation where they had to trust their assets and operations, everything to very limited uh, staff, and also as never before had to depend on security uh, to manage their properties uh, on the ground every day. And so I think that has hopefully given us a platform to address wages as they come to a better understanding of the value of the security officer and also that uh, it, it is a more competitive market now. Uh, the, the pandemic had an interesting impact. I, I really thought that a lot of companies were going to cut hours in security, budgets were going to be cut. Uh, wages would stagnate or even go down uh, in a lot of ways because of those budget constraints. But we haven't seen a lot of that. We haven't seen the companies cut that many hours. Again, they they found new reasons and ways to depend on us. And um, so while it hasn't continued to to maybe escalate or grow, uh, marching toward that $15 an hour, minimum wage that, that everybody talked about so long, it is still very competitive. And I think what is going to drive that more and more are the companies that give security officers alternatives um, to their wages and, quite frankly, their duty. Uh, because where we are right now, that we talked about earlier, was or, or is that Security officers now being asked to do things they never imagined. Police officers being asked to do things they never imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's really every company in every sector. Uh, employees are wearing more and more hats being asked to do more. So it's not just our industry. But I think now to to get, excuse me, to get that security officer that is trained across the, the wide array of things they need to be prepared for now. And then to step into a much different environment than we've ever had before, whether that be a threat from protests or a threat from other sources we've come to know uh, that can originate from anywhere, or the risk of you know, health risk uh, operating in the middle of a pandemic. I think that's going to require more training of officers, and that I'm hoping that will actually drive the way to further up as those, those requirements take place uh, and come into being. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, you're you're correct. Many of our competitors are not bound by the the lines of integrity, and I, and even within the last couple of weeks, I have seen projects that we have taken over uh, where uh, companies were paying wages far beneath what that uh, position should pay, uh, and were billing far above what that. Uh, account should have been being billed for. Uh, so they were pocketing that, that money that uh, they had plenty of room to uh, support their employees better uh, and at a higher rate of pay, uh, but were choosing not to. So unfortunately, that still exists. Uh, but I, I think between the requirements of the job and that those escalate and then and the value that, that the security officer brings to the team, uh, hopefully we'll 
we'll see wages continue to improve uh, and there'll be a healthier competitive market. I, I agree with that 100%. I, it's interesting that uh, with Chancellor Brown having started as a consulting uh, group, um, and that's all we did really for the first seven years, uh, part of what we used to uncover in our security audits was that the wage that they that um, guard companies had told their clients that they were paying weren't the case. Uh, rarely uh, then, you know, 30 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, did people audit um, to make sure those wages were there. But it was a different time as well, where uh, the the work for, there was a much deeper workforce. Um, we have said from the beginning that we would rather have fewer officers well paid, if that's what the choice is, than a lot of officers that are not adequately paid. The low-waged officers are, are just asking for trouble. Um, Josh, what are you seeing in, in uh, your markets uh, along the wages and the, the steadiness of, of what... Uh, uh, the workforce looks like. We are seeing a lot of our clients here are acknowledging that, that you get what you pay for, which is which is wonderful to see. And so, pretty much across the board, we've been able to have those those conversations of um, you know, working with the budget to be able to increase, get that higher quality of an officer in. Uh, and so that's been very helpful. The locating, finding, sourcing officers, that has been one of the bigger challenges that, that I've seen. Uh, there are a lot of options. There, there's a lot, so much responsibility that comes along with being a security officer. And with if the, the weight of grade of, weight, grade of pay is too low, um, it takes a special kind of person to, to say, well, this is still a calling, still something that I, I choose to do. So you know, working with the client, being able to get that starting rate up, um, and also really trying to think outside of the box of how we can find those, those officers from going to, to job fairs to you know, online resources, um, just every avenue that we can we can go down to try to, to find that person that not only is just going to show up for work but truly care about what it is they're doing, have that customer service attitude where they're, they're truly looking out for our clients' best interest. I think that's a, a, a good point, Josh, and I'm glad you brought that, that up because we always say that uh, uh, we believe 100% that what we do is a noble calling. And it doesn't fit everybody. Um, and But we sure have some, some really good people out there um, doing good work and, and uh, you know, we just want to make sure that they, they know that we appreciate that. And, uh, and so does the, the clients and our, yeah, our clients, we have such good clients that they, they routinely, um, send attaboys and make sure that we're, we're recognizing our, our men and women, uh, doing the great job. And, uh, you know, usually we're, we're ahead of them on that, but, um, We'd like when they point that out. So, gentlemen, as we're um, approaching the time that I'd, I'd like to keep the podcast to, I want to go around the table real quick and uh, tell me, um, we'll start with Brian, um, 
What do you think the biggest challenge on the horizon is? Well, I think just to kind of piggyback on what we were talking about, I think it's going to continue to be to attract quality uh, officers that want to do the work. Here it is a noble calling, uh, which of course it is. And then the wages. You know, I just saw uh, an ad, actually, a little bit ago. I heard it on the radio uh, prior, to, prior to coming on the podcast here for Amazon. Um, to work in the warehouse, and I believe it was seventeen sixty an hour uh, to start here in Pittsburgh with a five hundred dollars signing. But you know those type of industries. Now again, that's not for everybody. Obviously, you're in a warehouse; you have to be physic- somewhat physically fit to lift boxes and load trucks and whatever that work uh, entails. But if you're not, you, you know be. that's that's a that's a that's a wage that you know. That's a good competitive weight with a sign-on bonus and benefit. So, and we're starting to see that more and more, you know, in the retail, especially since the pandemic. I mean, retail, online retail hasn't suffered at all. And so, uh, you know, that that market continues to grow, and there's so many opportunities there. And and they're realizing, you know, the targets, uh, the Walmarts of the world, that they they need to pay a, a pretty substantial competitive wage to have employees. Um, and in some cases, their workforce doubled and tripled. So I think that's, that's a challenge for us. I mean, you know, how do we attract people? Um, and I think Josh mentioned it. You know, we, we have to have uh, customer service, uh, sharp employees, people that are willing to work shifts. I mean, you know, when you get into security work, you're going to work evenings, overnight, holidays, weekends. Um, so I think that's something that continues to be a challenge. It's, it's been a challenge in the past. Um, you know, but I know here in the Pittsburgh market, uh, for instance, you know, when I started here in the Pittsburgh market with Chesley Brown at a property that we had, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty high-end property with a, a really nice public safety department. So mm-hmm. if we would advertise for a security officer position, uh, we might get upwards of 100 applicants for one security officer position. Uh, we had a lot of people here in, in Pittsburgh that had graduated already from police academies and were looking for police jobs. So we had certified police officers, several, working for us as security officers. Uh, now uh, we can run ads, and that number substantially drops off because there's so many other options out there. Uh, so that continues to be a challenge. And again, still, I feel you know we have a good reputation in the market. People want to work for us if they want to work in security. But it's just a matter of, you know, how do we compete to attract those people to get them to want to work in the security field. Right. Um, Max, quickly, what's your uh, number one challenge on the horizon? Well, I think it it mirrors Brian's, uh, and it, it wouldn't have surprised me if everyone said the same thing, because that is a challenge to find people that are willing to do what's asked of them, especially in this new world, new environment, new norms. Um, and, and they are comparing, uh, either if they truly want to be and feel a calling toward security. Uh, as we know, uh, police departments are struggling with retention, struggling with recruiting. Uh, security will not be immune to that either because our what we ask of employees, those worlds are parallel very often now. Uh, it used to be very distinct lines, but uh, if, if a a person looking for gainful employment 
uh, can can say, okay, I can go have this level of risk, this exposure, and these expectations, standards, and, and make twelve dollars an hour, or I can go over here and I may not like loading a truck, but I can make seventeen dollars an hour. Uh, many are going to make that that choice just based on wages, but I think the other factor that we have to really be concerned about is uh, the level of training that they're given because I continue to believe that training is a buy-in factor for employees. They they want to feel prepared. They want to feel uh, able to do their jobs. And as that training need and requirement diversifies because of all the different things that are being uh, that they may face in their day-to-day, uh, we have to make sure that, that that training parallels that or exceeds that uh, to give them that confidence right. uh, to do their jobs. And as we know, uh, and what I think a lot of people don't know about our industry is every part of, uh, of employment uh, has a cost factor to it, and it costs money to train people. Uh, and I think that uh, as we move forward, those clients that understand the increased requirements and the need to partner with uh, contractors and security providers in that effort to get a better employee, uh, even above wages, and include that uh, in the uh, the total package uh, of cost and how you provide that training, I think will be a, an important challenge to overcome as we, as we move forward into next year. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Max. I, I, I'm always entertained when I hear uh, people say that uh, I'm not paying for training. Well, y- yes, you are if you're dealing with a good company. <laughs> it, it's a matter of whether you want to yeah. see it or not see it. Um, right. Uh, Josh, what's your number one challenge that you see on the horizon? Really, it, it's pretty easy to see driving down the street uh, businesses that, that are, are no longer open. Some of our retail locations where uh, just the number of vacancies that they're having. Walk into a Class A office building, especially in, your, in the garage, and there's a quarter of the vehicles there. Um, so many people are being, or businesses are successful having had their employees working from home. Um, so now clients looking at different ways uh, to potentially be able to save money if they're not having the same amount of revenue that they had before. How are we still providing them you know, with a quality, security uh, program? And just the blending of boots and technology, trying to figure out the best way to solve these problems for our clients. Uh, because maybe, maybe a school right now isn't even open. Um, they're doing all online learning. Right. So could they potentially be able to save a little bit of money by technology in a different way to uh, overall reduce cost. Well, that's a, a good point as well. And, and uh, as I see it, some the biggest challenge on the horizon is uh, um, the depth of, of uh, employee strength. Um, I, I just think the numbers are going to be more and more challenging uh, and that we're going to have to, as an industry, uh, keep raising the the wage rates where they should be in the first place, so that we can get those people that that not only want to do this because they they feel like they're called to service, but that we can give them a living wage to to maintain that call to service. 
I think there's so many other things that, that um, we could talk about as far as where the industry's heading, where we are with technology and cybercrime and, and some of the other challenges that we're, we're seeing. So we'll have to do that at yet another episode. We might make this a routine thing to, to do a, a VP roundtable. But um, I, I think uh, we can safely say that um, we're, we're going home every day proud of who we are, what we do, and, and how we do it. And I'm proud of uh, each and every one of you guys. I thank you for your time today. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And if uh, you want to give us your feedback on this podcast or share some experiences, then please email us at risktakers at chesleybrown.com. And thank you so much for taking time to, to spend with us and listen in. And as always, you can find links to uh, and notes to this episode as well as others, uh, other interesting episodes are out there uh, by going to our website, chesleybrown.com. Uh, risk takers and until next time thank you everybody and we will see you then thanks so much have a great day